You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. It's the final stretch of 2022, and HRN needs your help. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. This is our holiday show and the last show of 2022. And of course, I'm picking some of my favorite beer people, and they happen to be named Joel Shelton and B.R. Wolia. Um, so let's go around the room and introduce ourselves. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, tours to Europe and fun holiday drinks and all that. So uh, let's go around the room, starting with Joel. Hey, it's Joel Shelton. I am formerly one of the Shelton brothers, I guess. And uh, now I'm the big honcho at Inner Circle Beer Tours. All right, BR. Hi, I'm BR Rolia. I used to work with Joel at Shelton Brothers, and I currently have my own consulting company for importing called Beer, Beer, Beer. All right. And I like the Instagram too, right? <laughs> yes. Good. And Kevin. Uh, I'm Kevin Brooks. I was also with Shelton Brothers, where I worked with Bob, uh, with Joel and BR for 10 years. I uh, am the owner and producer and a little bit of everything in a company called Oast House Creative out of Pennsylvania. Great. And Chris? Uh, I am Chris DeChico, the only person I believe did not work for Shelton Brothers here, but uh, <laughs> I am one of the partners at DeChico's and Sons, and I run the beer program over there. All right. Well, this is a great show. You know, when I think about the Shelton Brothers, well, first, I, I want to make a joke because I remember years ago before there were cell phones and the internet, there was a thing called AT&T, and it seemed like when it broke up, the whole world of communications changed. Um, and, and looking at this group, it feels like Shelton Brothers was was this special thing, but now there's more special things. So uh, we're going to talk kind of about what everyone's doing. And for me, Shelton Brothers was, you know, when I think now about American craft beer, and it seems like it's everything, um, when I think about beer, I still think about the, the Shelton Brothers, the destinations and, and the places where the, where the beer was made. So um, we're going to talk about how you can go take tours um, and visit some of those special beer places that, that the Shelton Brothers put on the map for many years. So, Joel, give us an intro to the Inner Circle Beer Tours and, and where it's at, because it, you, you were doing them before as, as Shelton Brothers Tours, weren't you? Yeah, we started uh, doing tours. We started uh, a little less formally at some point, some vague time uh, a few years ago, I guess around two seven, 2017. Uh, I was thinking a lot about... Uh, adding that to what we did as a company, because uh, I just thought, you know, traveling was always a big part of it. And that's how it actually was created from all the traveling a bunch of us did. And so uh, by 2019, after sort of doing some tentative uh, versions of tours, uh, by 2019, we had kind of a more official thing called Insider Beer Tours, which was uh, technically kind of a separate thing from Shelton Brothers, but it was basically us. And I was uh, starting it with some of the other folks in Shelton Brothers just sort of a thing we did along with the other stuff. And um, so, of course, uh, I guess a lot of people out there know that Shelton Brothers is not here now. So when uh, when I took stock of the people that were going to go with us on 2020, before everything fell through, as, as we all know, um, I thought, oh, let's just keep it going. And I'm going to bring those people out on tour. So I had to start over again, create a new company. I'm going to make it sound a little bit like Insider Beer Tours, so it's Inner Circle Beer Tours, the same idea that we know a lot of people and the tours are different for that reason. And uh, we're off and running this year. Uh, everybody on the show today has uh, been out with us on uh, various tours in the past. Uh, in fact, everybody, uh, well, Chris and BR were out this year. Uh, Kevin's been helping me immeasurably this year, and we're going to go to Scotland next year. So there's a bunch of stuff going on, and this has been pretty exciting post covid and uh, now just trying to make it into a real thing, a uh, standalone thing. Great. Well, we're going to go around the room first and just kind of catch up with everybody. So, BR, now I, I notice on Instagram it's beer, beer, beer. Uh, yes. <laughs> beer in English, beer in French, and beer in German. 
is the is the company that yeah so you know after i i was working with um our french and the french and canadian breweries at shelton brothers um and i am now continuing to work with some of them in in various uh ways um you know doing a similar thing but uh independently on my own now as opposed to with a with a company or well it's my own company yes so doing doing more consulting and helping helping breweries uh still uh, export to the US so which of the breweries are you working with currently uh working with Bellwoods out of Toronto uh Dunham from Quebec uh and uh Thierrier and Oberon in France are some of the ones I'm working with right now oh that's great we're looking forward to having a, a full show with you today BR thank you well, thanks and Kevin you're you're another one who who cut your teeth at at Shelton Brothers yeah, well, you know, so I left a little bit before the pandemic started and, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do when I was going to, when I grew up. So I worked before Shelter Brothers for 25 years in television in New York. Um, and I figured I would probably be going back into that, but then I realized I didn't want to waste all I learned over the 10 years in Shelter Brothers. So much like BR, I was kind of going into that consulting realm. And, but also doing some editing and whatnot for some uh, TV shows. And uh, eventually I was approached by a, a brand new import company and they wanted me to kind of basically use the knowledge I had from Shelton Brothers and start up uh, a brand new import company, which is what I'm in the middle of right now. That's great. And are, are you, how are you involved with the tours? So with the tours, um, it's twofold. I I designed the website, both this website and the previous uh, the previous website for uh, Insider Tours, and then Joel asked me if I'd be interested in doing a UK based tour. So we decided to do a uh, one to Scotland this year. Well, we originally decided to do one to Scotland in 2022, but it just wasn't quite going to work out for 2022. So we moved forward and are doing one next year. That's great, and I'm looking forward to talking more about the tours. A little further on in the show, and and Chris DeChico, my buddy from DeChico's, we ha we had you and your, we, we had you guys on once, and we talked about the number one and two th things that sold over Memorial Day weekend. Oh, that's DeChico's right. Market. <laughs> I think it was Rayo's uh, pizza, Rayo's tomato. Oh, yeah, product. the Rayo's tomato sauce. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think guacamole was up there that we make <laughs> some of our top items. Yeah, and and industrial arts was really peaking then too, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what's going on with beer with you? I mean, I, I, I love the Chico's and, and I feel like as a specialty retailer, you've really stood out in, in the craft beer world. Yeah, I mean, we keep growing. Uh, opened another new store this year in Bedford, New York, in Westchester County. So we keep expanding. We're up to 10 stores now, 10 locations. Uh, most of them have the bars inside. So that's keeping us very busy for sure. That's so great. We keep growing. And I'm looking forward to hearing about which, which uh, tours you've been on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, I'll go back to BR because to me, she's a wordsmith and a great voice of this show. You've probably been on over 40 episodes. I was least. thinking I was going to try to find out how many shows I was on. And I was like, started counting. I was like, oh, I'm going to stop. It's too many. <laughs> well, you all, you've always been my go-to for, for a wide range of knowledge. And um, so let, BR, let, tell me about the Inner Circle Beer Tours and in, in your words, you know, how you see it and, and, and a, a favorite tour. Because I, I always want, oh, like as I was saying before, tough. the places that Sheldon Brothers got their beers, to me, always seems like the places I'd want to go. Well, and that's what we try to do. I mean, Joel can certainly uh, be a little bit more eloquent about this and the, the whole philosophy behind it. But yeah, the idea was we brought these beers in through Shelton Brothers because a lot of it, because of where they were from and not just simply that it was a good beer, but a good beers that had a sense of place. Um, particularly say in, in Germany and, and Belgium, you had a lot of the tradition behind them. You know, some of these breweries are handed down through generations. Um, and it was just, I thought it would just be wonderful to bring people to these places because, you know, sometimes people see an import and they're not sure what's the difference between, you know, a big macro brewery in Germany and then say a really small family owned, family run a uh, tiny, tiny village brewery in Northern Bavaria in Franconia. Um, and also to just to explain what makes it special. And, and as Joel was saying, we, you know, we loved going to these places, love meeting the people. 
Um, it was very, uh, Chris was on the tour with us this um, past May when we did the Belgium, uh, Northern France tour. And we hadn't seen any of these brewers since before COVID. It was the first time we'd seen them. And it was really like a family reunion, you know, seeing people you hadn't seen in several years. It was just very emotional. And it was just made us feel like, yeah, these, these are, you know, basically our beer family. Um, and want to sh- just show those relationships to, to, the, to the rest of the world or people to can come on the tours at least. And then Joel, the inner city, I want to call it inner city beer tours. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. Jimmy. What is it? Inner circle. Inner circle beer tours. So, but I can change it. I can change it if you think it's more commercial. <laughs> no, it's it will. It's inner circle beer tours. You just got to say it like <laughs> ten more times, and I'll get it. Um, well, th- this is neat. It was one thing I, I think it's been on my list of of things to do is to go on one of your tours, and I know we've talked about it a lot. So uh, try to sell me. <laughs> you got tours coming up. Um, Want to go through the list with me? Well, yeah. It's it's uh, there's not a huge number of them for sure. Um, this past year we did uh, the sort of standard three that I've been trying to do for a while, which is uh, as Br mentioned, Belgium and Northern France. So breweries on both sides of that border there, uh, and Franconia and Northern Bavaria up in the area of Bamberg, uh, north of uh, uh, Nuremberg. A lot of beer folks know uh, know about Bamberg, perhaps, uh, but they probably know more about the stuff right in Bamberg instead of around it, the little villages and stuff. So we concentrate in that area rather than make it part of a greater German tour. Uh, the third one, which is probably an, unusual for most people, not for Shelton Brothers, because we were getting beer from places that other people hadn't even really looked at yet, but it was Catalonia, which is the uh, kind of northeast uh, region of Spain, which they wouldn't even call themselves Spain at this point. But... Uh, capital Barcelona there. And uh, we were bringing in beer from that area for several years before we decided, or I decided, because I was working with the breweries myself, that that would be an awesome tour um, because it's a place that nobody ever goes for beer. And it's sort of becoming a thing now. So those are the three uh, tours that we had lined up for uh, pre-COVID. Uh, the fourth one, Kevin mentioned, uh, Scotland. Uh, we, I just said, Kevin, what, what are we going to do in the UK? Let's do something. Kevin was the UK guy in Shelton Brothers. So, and we just thought Scotland would be really unique because uh, we're going to mix it up with the local whiskey, of course, and the beer. Um, the whiskey is more uh, well-known than the beer. So we thought, let's show people the brewers as well. Another example of us kind of bringing people to brewers that they may not know very well. And once they go on the tour, they will know very well because the thing is we know these people uh, for a long time. This is the point of the tours is to have an excuse to go over there and hang out with them again. And we can bring other people and they can all make new friends uh, with the other guests and with these brewers. And I think it's a real different experience from other tours. And that's the whole reason to do it. So I just sold you one, Jimmy. How many do you want? I can uh, take an order right now. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask Kevin, you know, where we, where will we be going in Scotland and, and when is it? So Scotland, uh, we're starting on June 2nd and we're going to, most people will probably land in Edinburgh, but we're actually going to start the tour in Glasgow, which is the largest city in in Scotland. Um, it's, I believe, the third largest city in the UK. We're going to spend the night in in Edinburgh, but we're going to go. We're going to in start, Glasgow. Uh, sorry, in Glasgow. Thank you, Joel. Um, and our first stop would actually be we're going to go to their largest brewery, which is Tenants, which is a beer that's ubiquitous with the city. So we're going to go there, and then we're going to go to their sister brewery, which is a uh, a brewery they made in collaboration with Williams Brothers, and that's Drygate, and they're kind of right next door. And that's actually that neighborhood is where Glasgow started. Um, that's where the monastery that was what the seed that Glasgow grew out of was. Um, the next morning, we're actually going to head up into the Highlands with a a stop at a castle on um, on River uh, the River Clyde. And then we're going to go up to Loch Lomond Brewery, which is a small brewery. Um, I've known them for, uh, or I've known several of them for years. After that, we're going to go up a little bit more, uh, drop our stuff at the hotel, and head to Fine Ales, which is, in my opinion, one, like top two breweries in Scotland. But uh, the brewery is fantastic. They make great traditional styles, great modern styles, and like great wild ales. On top of all that, the most impressive thing is it's sitting on 4,500 acres of Scottish Highland. I have never been to a brewery in a prettier setting. And it's their fine, it's their fine fest, which is a 
a festival over the weekend where basically it's basically like a little beer Woodstock. People are camping out there or staying in hotels relatively nearby and it's music, drinking, hiking, whatever you want to do. It's a great time. So that's fine ales. That's fine ales. Yep. Let, let's pause for a minute. So sure. back, back to William brothers. Um, yes. What are they noted for? They, they have, they use a local ingredient in one of their beers. So um, they made a, a Heather beer. They also made a seaweed beer. Those were probably the two most well-known that were here. Um, those beers aren't available at the, um, at Drygate. It's, it's, while it's owned by those two, by tenants and Williams brothers, it, uh, I don't think they actually pour those. They're their whole separate thing. Oh yeah. So what, 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 what kind of beers will they be pouring at, at William brothers? Williams brothers. Well, um, at Drygate or at Williams brothers? Uh, either one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, well we, we're not going to actually go to Williams Brothers. We're only going to go to Drygate. Uh, to Drygate will be a, it's a, it's a modern craft brewery. So, you know, a little bit of everything. IPAs, um, uh, kettle sours, you know, regular traditional English ales, Scottish ales, a little bit of everything. So this, this tour, Joel, you're kind of ahead of the curve on this tour. I mean, you're really going to places that, I've never heard of those breweries before. Well, um, it depends on the country how, how how we fit into the curve for sure. I mean, there's a big difference between going to Catalonia and Scotland uh, as compared to maybe Franconia and uh, Belgium, France. Um, however, I would say there are different attractions for each one. Uh, it, for Scotland, first of all, um, we don't, you know, it's not just a beer tour. I would say it's about half and half with the whiskey. And I'm getting more and more interested in mixing these tours up so it's not just, oh, go from one brewer to the next and have a tour and a pretzel and a draft and go to the next place. It's not about that anymore. It's getting more and more that I want people to to learn about the place they're actually going as much other stuff as possible. And, of course, in the case of Scotland, uh, just going to a bunch of breweries in Scotland, I think, wouldn't, wouldn't have been much point for us. And it was never even a question that we were uh, – you know, that we wouldn't uh, do as much whiskey as beer. It's just a matter of arranging which ones we can actually get to with uh, the, the easiest way, and which ones are worth going to. So uh, that's the difference. Maybe I would say broadly between places like Catalonia and Scotland versus uh, Belgium and France and Germany, where you can sort of just do the beers in those places and there's never going to be enough of it. But these other ones, it's more interesting to, to do the other stuff. Like Catalonia, we do a bunch of wine, for example. So that's what it's about. And so I personally am going to learn a lot about whiskey because I'm not pretending to be the whiskey expert out here, but Kevin knows a lot more about it than I do, and we're going to learn a lot about it. So it's going to be a real interesting tour, and the beer is almost like frosting on the cake, and most people don't know about it. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the weird things, Shelton Brothers was always kind of known for its little independent breweries. With um, When you delve into the whiskey in Scotland, the, most of these distilleries are not little companies. These are large corporations. Um, you know, we're going to go to Dalwini. We're going to go to uh, Glen. Well, Glen Farkless is actually independent, but we're going to go to Dalwini, Glen Farkless, um, Glen Murray, uh, Ben Riek. And, but almost, if you think of a Scottish distillery, they're large corporations, but they're still, you, you go to these locations and it's set in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful setting. Um, right along a river or up on a mountain and it's still stunning. And, you know, that's what Scotland is known for, but then their beer, I mean, the beer and the whiskey are virtually the same thing, you know, at, you know, through a good portion of the, the process. So these two, you know, brothers of, the, of malt are just the perfect a uh, one, two hit. Oh, that's great. And then are you doing any workshops or is, is it, is it, you know, what what are some of the highlights besides just those breweries and locations or the uh that festival is is really you know a big highlight it's cuz it's it's whatever you want to do that day um you know well yeah you can go and drink some cask ale um but one of the other little perks of it is a lot of brewers who are kind of the um the big brewers in the UK craft wise they're coming up and they're camping alongside you know, all the guests too, just because they love coming to it. So, you know, you may luck out and be sitting there talking to um, uh, this guy, Colin Strong, who was just voted the best brewer in the UK um, this week, just because he's there and 
he loves being there. Um, it's a very, the community of brewers there is very um, tight knit in the, well, in the UK in general. So it's kind of more like, I think how the, uh, the U S was maybe 10, 15 years ago. So, you know, you just, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, and then with the, with the whiskey, it's, it's funny. So the, the process and the distilleries are all almost the same, but then there's these little, these little bits that one does differently than the other. And in the end, the, the product is so drastically different. So it'll be cool to see how each of them is doing virtually the same thing. And then the final product is, is different. How do they do that? Um, and then introducing, you know, a bunch of Americans to these breweries that some of whom have never you know, they'll never have heard of. Most, you know, I think Scott, uh, for Scotland, most people know Brewdog, and that's probably about it. So it's great to yeah. get people to try these other things. No, it sounds like a fascinating trip. Hey, uh, Chris, so y- you've been on a couple of, of the tours in the past? Yeah, I've been on Franconia, then um, Belgium and France twice, actually. So t- want to give me some highlights of, of one of the tours? <clears throat> yeah, okay. I mean... For me, what I usually do is um, I every year I've always brought um, some of my beer buyers out to Europe. So I always I want them to fully get immersed in the individual beer cultures of these different areas and countries. To me, that's so important. This is the education factor of getting you know of training all of my beer buyers and all my beer employees to really get to know not just the beers but the culture behind it. And the only way you could do that is really to get them there and to experience it firsthand. So for for me, you know bringing them on these tours has been, has been tremendous for me. Just them getting out there, getting to the experience, these things. So like in, in Belgium, they were blown away. You know, you go to Cantillon, you're drinking with Jean and his whole family and their experiences that, you know, only Joel could like bring to you. It's, it's incredible. Wow. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Yes. And uh, how do you feel, Chris? Like, you know, American craft beer has been, is such a thing and, you know, we love it, but, why you know this is a dumb question but i'm giving you a dumb question why go to europe and and look at their traditions i mean to me that's you know our traditions here are so young compared to the traditions out there it's just it's incredible to go there in the generation you go to these breweries and then there's seventh eighth generation brewers there in the family like stuff that blows your mind how like how is this the ninth generation brewery in the u.s you're lucky if you get two two generations if it makes it three that's almost unheard of it's like it's incredible but i mean it's just the, the entire culture behind it is what blows my mind i mean you go to belgium you go to the bar there just the proper glassware and the way they appreciate it and it's it's very unique this is a great, a great little intro um br what about you so tours uh culture in, in europe uh i mean it's just it's just fun to, you know, to, to, to do the mix. I mean, Belgium and France is probably the most beer heavy one, um, just because there is so much to see and we try to pack in as much as possible. Um, you know, and that's, uh, Shelton brothers started when Joel had first tried Cantillon many years ago before it was imported to the U S. So it's kind of like, you know, that's, that's ground zero for, for, uh, the inner circle beer tours. Um, but you know, for, for example, um, went to Catalonia this past October, had gone originally, uh, I believe it was June of 2019 with Joel and a few other people just to do like a preliminary trial run to see like how this could work out and where we could go. Um, so this time, you know, we not only did some of the breweries, um, you know, around Barcelona, we went to a brewery up near in the foothills of the Pyrenees. Um, but we also spent uh, part of the day at uh, Montserrat, which is a national park and also a big pilgrimage site. Um, so, you know, you can get do- outside, do outdoor things. Uh, we went to a castle, a fortified castle on top of a hill, so, you know, there's also the cultural aspect to it. We went to a kava producer, um, which is, you know, just it's just really just to get a, just a general feeling for basically the the whole soul of, of a country or a region. Um, and uh, and the food <laughs> food is also very important. Um, you know, so we tried to not just get people, you know, big group lunches and dinners, um, but to have them at places that aren't that are, are much more representative of the cuisine of, of where we are. 
Wow. I remember when Shelton Brothers kind of created the festival and you kind of redefined what a beer beer fest should be. It kind of sounds like you're you're redefining what what travel should be like. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily going to be the most um, perfectly run, you know, we're staying at the best hotels in the world. You can go to the spa and that sort of thing. It's not like that. You know, it's, it's, we really want to give people um, a different view of Europe um, or, or, or the United Kingdom to, to show you again, this is more of immersing yourself in the local culture. And, uh, you know, maybe the hotel bathroom is a little smaller than what you would like at your chain hotel in the U S but you know, that's, you're only there for a very brief part of the time. So just embrace it. Um, a lot of these hotels are in very old buildings. Um, so there might be a few quirks, but just embrace the quirkiness and enjoy the time that you have, you know, in these countries where you, and places which you might not actually have otherwise have access to. And then you're imbibing a lot, so you should be able to sleep pretty well, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Bira, you mentioned Catalonia. You want to give a shout-out to a couple producers there that, that you've visited? Well, Joel was always the Spanish guy for uh, for Shelton Brothers, and he's the one who organized uh, the Spain one. So he's he's probably better to to delve in a little bit more. I mean, you've met some of the ones, I believe we brought them through when over at Jimmy's number 43. I think some of them were even on beer sessions before. Yep. Yeah, was yeah. uh Monsigny, were they, they on Joel? Do you remember? Um, geez, it was a long time ago. If they were, I, I don't remember who was on beer sessions to be honest, because it's been years and years, but um, I can run down real quick in Barcelona. We, uh, uh, it started off my brother going to festivals there way, way back before there was even a beer scene hardly. And uh, eventually he just said, oh, as soon as the beer gets good, we're going to start importing it. <laughs> it was like uh -huh. that. And then uh, in the end, we brought beer, uh, you know, as much as we could manage to do from a place, uh, beer I mentioned, Monsigny. It's a, it's a mountain range. It's a Cerve Seria del Monsigny, uh, a little bit outside Barcelona. We brought in beer from a place called Fort, which is now gone. That was in the city. Uh, we were going to bring beer from Black Lab, an American expat in the city, but we did bring beer from Marina, north of the city on the, on the coast of, of, of the Mediterranean. We brought in beer from La Calavera up in the Pyrenees. BR mentioned that up in the mountains. Uh, we brought beer from Guineau, which is out in the middle of nowhere to the west, along with Aguillons, which is to me the most fascinating brewery I've ever been to, also out in the west. of. The, so it's a bunch of different places we go to, and especially in Catalonia, considering that it's a pretty new beer country. We want to really stress that we go to the stuff that uh, Catalonia has been made of for hundreds or even thousands of years, meaning wine, cava, you know, sparkling wine, meaning Montserrat, the big castle on a mountain, meaning forts on the mountain, meaning the amazing tapas and all this. So each tour is different. In Catalonia, there's a bunch of breweries that people don't even know yet. So there's that's the main thrust and a festival nobody here knows about. And it's all this other stuff thrown in. So it's kind of like <laughs> It's kind of like a different variation. It's a variation of what we would do, like we did with Chris uh, in Belgium and France. You've heard of those breweries, but you maybe haven't met them in that way. So it's a little twist. Now is the place of people you've never met at all. So it's uh, every place is completely different. But Catalonia is a really, really good time because it's all nothing but surprises, pretty much. Uh, and I think uh, if anybody uh, comes on that one, it'll just be a complete eye opener. And it's a really, really special time. And the brewers are really amazing folks. I think that was a pretty good sales pitch there, Jimmy. Oh, you're good. Well, and let's get into the details. So not too long ago on Instagram, I saw some pictures of you in Catalonia. And there was one place, I don't know if it was a bar or a, a brewery, there was like wooden casts and there was a, a dog. It was uh, a guillon, I probably. Joel surrounded by many dogs. Yeah, I, I just mentioned Aguillon. It's Aguillon's, it's... I, I'll go on a limb and say, to me, the most interesting brewery to visit in the world. I'm honestly, I have to be honest. I'm not uh, going to say, oh, the best beer, this or that. But uh, it's like, a, uh, I don't know how old, a thousand-year-old farm that used to be a wine cellar. Now they make specialized in f English pale ales, of all things, and English-style IPAs. Yet they also do sour beers in the basement. But the place itself is like uh, you're stepping into an old painting. And the brewer and the brewer's wife are like you're looking at people in an old painting. And they have this ancient kitchen and millions of dogs and cats all over the place. And they have a little English-style pub inside their house when you walk in the door. And just, uh, well, you have to be there. And I just like, uh, what else can I say about that? But it's Aguillons. We used to bring in beer, but I think we brought in about 20 bottles. And every time I asked them for more beer, they goes, no, we don't have any beer now. So it was just like that. <laughs> so uh, it's the kind of place that very few people uh, – 
really would go to. It's really in the middle of nowhere. And we just show up in this big bus and pile in and show up. And well, it's, you can uh, barely get the bus up the road. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, one we lane dirt road. Yeah, we weren't sure if we can get the bus up the road. That's that's the kind of place that that is. And so we this is the point of the whole thing, Jimmy, is that it's uh, hence the name Inner Circle now uh, formerly Insider. But it's uh, not to sound like we're like we're all we're so hoity toity, but it's it's the, the idea is that you can have this experience that uh, you probably won't get going by yourself, despite the fact that people do like to travel, you know, sort of separately and stuff. But this is a special thing where you can do a lot of stuff in a pretty short time and the kind of thing that you'll be lucky to ever get to do, to be frank. Wow. So can I bring chickens on the bus? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a novel idea, and I'm going to make it work. I know you will. Wow. So um, this one, just stay, stay with this one because th this is vivid and I'm I'm – I want to go. When I saw that picture of the old, the old pub and the dog, I, I, I feel like you kind of nailed it on the head. What your tours are about? Uh, when's Catalonia? Um, and oh, it, it's always been in the end of October because there's a festival called Mash, a big capital M A S H, which used to be, uh, which was started by some of the local brewers. Garage. I think a lot of people listening probably know of Garage from Barcelona. There's more than one Garage brewing, I believe, but they import uh, kegs here and there, uh, maybe some cans here and there, and we started with them a while ago. Uh, at some point, they had started this fest with uh, different partners, and they needed a new partner. So my brother, not being one to ever not uh, throw away a chance to throw money at something, um, became a partner with MASH. And so that became uh, the the fulcrum of our tour. So we went in late October. It's like the last uh, Friday and Saturday of October. So that's the tradition. Uh, we still go to MASH. We're not uh, technically part of it, but we go there as sort of special VIP guests. It sort of closes out the week. So it's always going to, uh, at least uh, for the time being, it'll be in the end of October. So the last weekend of October uh, is is when, when MASH is. And so we start the Monday before that. Okay. And uh, so we do as much stuff as we can before we get there. Wow. Okay, so let's put on your thinking caps. Uh, each one of you is a region. You'll decide what it is. Um, it's the holiday, so let's so first say happy holidays to each other. Um, and I, I, I want to go to these places that we're talking about. I want to have a, a feast. I want to have a beer and I, or a whiskey, and I want to have some, some food. Um, Kevin, start with you. Scotland. It's, it's holiday season. I'm, I'm taking an early tour with you. What, what would be a a thing you'd look forward to having at a feast on you know if, I, if i'm tour. in scotland uh you know i want to find some ridiculously old pub and pretty much just hang out there with a fire roaring in the background uh with a nice dram of whiskey and a pint of something dark um and food wise you know i'll i'll kind of scooch back up towards where that that brewery fine ales is uh because they have amazing seafood all through that area so i would just probably be getting whatever they caught that morning um out of either a lock or in the ocean and i'd just be you know pretty darn happy try not to have too much whiskey though that doesn't end well <laughs> <laughs> all right and and chris what well, you've been on a few tours what, what would be your holiday feasts Oh boy. Um, yeah. For a holiday feast, I mean, the Belgian Christmas ales always, uh, I have to have those every Christmas time for sure. St. Bernard is one of my favorites for sure. I would definitely uh, always need a bottle at that Christmas table. And then, yeah, definitely some kind of nice roast, some kind of meat to go along with it. I mean, uh, that's to me, that's the perfect holiday meal. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you mentioned being at Cantillon and, and, uh, being with John and his family. Yes, yes. Uh, twice now I was with Joel at Cantillon. And the first year we actually got to go to dinner with them too. And that was an absolute magical experience of having dinner with the whole family. Uh, it got very emotional, which was, you know, something surprising at first, how emotional it got with everybody seeing each other. And um, it was quite the experience, I believe. Joel was dancing with Jean's mom, and <laughs> it was a really good, fun time. So that's why Joel goes on that tour to dance with the mom. <laughs> yeah. I know he does. It's but Chris, Chris, don't talk about me and her and their mom, okay? <laughs> well, Chris, at that dinner, you remember what did you eat and drink? Oh boy, uh, drank a lot. So trying to remember the dinner now. 
What did we have at that dinner? Uh, I know it was... Do you guys remember? Well, it was, I mean, cuisine à la bière, so I know for you, it was some sort of meat per... I mean, we had, they give us, uh, but for the vegetarians, it was uh, asparagus (laughs) risotto, which was very delicious. Um, But I can't remember. Joel, do you remember? What the other... I never remember remember food. I just remember (laughs) I had a few drinks. I'm always working, you know, I don't remember anything. Yeah, the Shelton, the Shelton. We we have amazing food on the tours, but I'm not the person to talk about uh, the tech, the, the technical aspects of the food programs for sure. Yeah, but, but for, for Belgium and France, the uh, the final farewell dinner is at this very well regarded restaurant in Brussels called Les Brigitines, and they do a lot of of beer cooking, uh, make the food with beer pri- primarily with Cantillon. Um, it's one of Jean. Jean Benoit particularly likes that restaurant. Um, I believe he was the one who recommended it, Joel, for the for for you to. Uh, maybe? Yeah, either him or uh, Yvonne from De La Seine. I I, I can't remember exactly, oh, right, but yeah. it it was it's it's funny because in America we're so used to a lot of big options. Uh, you know, like where do we bring thirty three people or whatever it is for dinner? And you think, oh, I'll just have our choice of a hundred places. And nope, it's not the case. Uh, there's literally a handful of places that you could even consider. And that was kind of the hands-down choice because that's where the Cantillon folks go for their big occasions. And the, the place serves Cantillon and Della San regularly, which is not something you find everywhere in the world for sure. And then was that a – like on that tour, would it be a Cantillon dinner with only Cantillon or would it be a choices of no, the trains? No, well, you know, I was working – I'm always having to deal with the, with the hosts of different places to try to uh, keep it within the price range that I'm trying to do, for example, but keep it as great as possible, blah, blah, blah. So you're always tweaking and stuff. Uh, eventually, we came down to this idea that they were going to just give us a keg of De La Seine. And it turns out that they're equally big on De La Seine as, you know, as they are with Cantillon. So uh, you can't complain with those two choices. And um, it was funny, though, Jimmy. I have a funny story because you would sort of think, oh, we're going to get a, a – a, a blonde, a blonde hoppy ale from De La Seine for dinner, and just drink as much as we want. But there was one person who wasn't happy about it because they they didn't like hops. <laughs> so <laughs> and there, 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 that there happens. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like uh, my, personally, I feel like I, I like all styles, and I'm curious about everything. I don't have a dislike of anything in particular. I feel like anything good. It doesn't really matter if it's your style or if it's this or that, but I feel like good beer is always good, whatever it is, you know, whether you like that or not. So I just sort of let that go and just say, all right, well, don't drink it then. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, basically we had a keg of Delos. And I don't know if Chris finished it or not, but uh, I was trying to get him to. I think we finished it. I think we got through it. <laughs> Chris and his guys finished we, it themselves. We got through it. <laughs> yeah. And then we went to drink more at uh, yeah. Booze and Blues. <laughs> booze and Blues. Yeah. yeah, it goes down pretty easy. Well, let's make a quick toast to each other. Happy holidays. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Help keep nonprofit food radio on the air and get a limited release HRN t-shirt designed by artist Chema Scandal. When you become an HRN member or renew your existing membership at the $90 level, you'll receive a shirt created exclusively for members as our thank you gift. Don't wait because this limited edition t-shirt is only available until December 31st. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to support HRN at any level. There's more swag and benefits available for any tax-deductible donation. You can even get your company on the HRN airwaves as a perk of our business membership program. Head to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, there's a special membership drive going on for Heritage Radio Network. If you spend $90 or more as a donation, you will get a special T-shirt, and there's a lot more going on at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, so we're talking about our tours, the Inner Circle Beer Tours. Uh, kind of run by Joel Shelton and crew. Kevin, um, you were talking about Scotland, and uh, let's keep talking about that because it's a it's a new tour. You're tagging whiskey as well as beer. Yeah, you know one one of the things that we were when Joel and I decided to do Scotland, you know, the thought was okay, how are we going to focus, you know, on 
the breweries, but also the distilleries. And with with Scotland and their whiskeys, there's basically different territories, and that's how the whiskey experts break up Scotland. So there's Speyside, which is where we're going to be going, um, and that's where the lion's share of the whiskey uh, distilleries are. But then there's the Highlands, there's um, there's Campbelltown, and there's Isla. So, you know, we decided since this was the first year, we're going to go Speyside. That way we don't have to, well, quite frankly, get off the mainland. You know, we'll just be staying on the main the main part of the island. Um, and so, but we're still going to be going up into the highlands and all that. So you're going to start down in the borders and the lowlands where it's pretty mellow landscape. And then we head up into, into the highlands and it's all crazy, rustic and hilly and mountainous. Um you know, there'll there'll be snow up on the peaks until eh, probably early summer. And um, you know, one day we're gonna be along the coast where we're gonna be where the RAF has a big base, and two former RAF pilots started a brewery called uh, Windswept. So we're gonna be hanging out there and driving around the coast, checking out uh, the ruins of a castle there, and then going to the beach and hanging out and just just having a blast. Um and then, you know, eventually we'll work our way back down towards uh, to Edinburgh. And we'll spend the, the last night there with a couple of uh, small breweries that are relatively new, but are really exciting. Um, camper van, the owner literally loved camper vans. And, you know, he just started uh, <laughs> a brewery and, you know, they're pretty much a normal craft brewery. And then there's another one, New Barns, which... Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I know one, I've known one of the owners for, oh God, I don't even remember how long he used to be the assistant brewer at Siren, which was a, a brewery down all the way down in England. And then he went to the Colonel, which is one of the best breweries in England period. Um, they just, they're old school craft brewer, but they just do what they want to do and no bones about it. And they're some of the nicest people, but this guy, Gordon and a few other people from the likes of Beaver Town, which is one of the biggest craft breweries in uh, in the UK, and um, the Colonel, another person from the Colonel, they started this this place, New Barns, and they're just going back to kind of what English beer is, which is very similar in many ways to what German beer is. Just it's an ale versus a lager, um, just low alcohol, really sessionable beers. Get back to you know, you're sitting at sitting for the day, hanging out, drinking with your friends, whether it's in Germany in a beer garden or beer keller or in Scotland and England at a pub in front of a fire or out in the uh, in their beer garden. It's, you know, just it's magical. And Edinburgh itself, if people haven't been there, the city is just stupendous. It's it looks like it came out of a storybook. It's these enormous, um, you know. The new buildings are, you know, 150 years old. You know, the old buildings are, you know, like seven, 800 years old. And it's just amazing with a castle in the middle of the city that's built on an extinct volcano, which, is, you know, <laughs> you, you, every time wow. you turn around, you're just looking up at this thing on a crag. So that that's a sense of place, right? This, this, these tours are really, really are inner circle. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, you must feel lucky working on them, Kevin it's it's a blast i mean i've been in love with uh with the uk since i got to go the first time when in the 19 early 1980s and i've been back dozens of times since and you know when when joel approached me with this it was just it was one great ticket back over to the uk and um and germany because i while i wasn't on the tour with germany uh that joel went uh this past summer i was over there on business so i got to hang out with the group for a few days as well and it's just it's just fantastic to go around and see our friends, you know, because like in Scotland, I'm friends with a lot of the brewers in Germany. I'm friends with a lot of the brewers as are Joel, Belgium, the same as like, like what Chris was saying with the Benoit family. You know, you you know these people and they just welcome you in. Um, and it's it's brilliant. And you get to see things and try things that you wouldn't normally do definitely wouldn't get to do if you were on a regular tour um where you're just bus place bus place you know it's tuesday it must be belgium type thing you know you're really getting to experience the culture in these uh in these scenarios and you know most, um, i think in all but belgium there's a there's a festival involved as well so you get to even see beyond 
the scope, the regular scope of the festival or of the tour, I'm sorry, and try maybe some, a brewery that you didn't get to stop at or a distillery you didn't get to stop at, but you get to try it at the festival. And, you know, some of the festivals, and Joel could probably tell you about this best, uh, like Anifest in, in Franconia, it's brilliant. And there's literally nothing like it here in the United States. Well, well right now you got me, Kevin, you got me thinking of an old pub with a dram of whiskey and a roast. And th- there might be a dog there in Scotland, right? <laughs> There's Somewhere. a good chance. If, when the few times I've been up to Fine Ales, every time I've pulled into the brewery, which is on is literally on a working farm, so it is a farmhouse brewery. It's not actually, you know, just throwing the name. Every time I pull in, the first person I say hello or the first being that I say hello to is the dog because they run up. She runs up to me every time I visit. Uh-huh. So and yeah, Joel's got Aggie on with uh, the old old pub and 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 a, a dog. And what 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 would you be eating at Aggie on? Um, you know, Br will probably remember because she actually pays attention to what she's eating. But um, <laughs> you know, no, but it's it's awesome because when I made a plan to visit there, I said we're just going to come uh, and drink beer and get a tour. Okay, okay, and uh, we get there, and of course, uh, Carlos is the brewer. Um, and the owner and his wife is Monse Montserrat. She decides to go into this kitchen, which looks like it's from a, a medieval painting, with dogs laying all over the floor, and makes this amazing tapas, just like for the hell of it. And uh, I never have time to eat because I'm always talking to everybody and getting more drafts and talking to the brewers. So I don't even know what it was, but I know it was great and it was just something she whipped up in like 10 minutes. So, uh, however, speaking of the dog, real quick, when we got off the bus at Aguillon, the first thing that happened. There was a gate, and they weren't sure if they should let the dogs out. There were two dogs' noses peeking out under the gate. And then I said, yeah, go ahead. We, we love dogs. And this big, giant dog ran over and bowled over one of our guests. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. And she was a dog lover, and she was waiting for it. So she actually got bowled over by two dogs and a puppy. So this is the, this is the kind of things that I like, you know. I don't even need beer. I could just have a dog tour. But BR could um, – BR could probably tell you what Monse made for tapas at Aguillons. I don't know. You know, I, I'm trying to remember. I know there were olives because every, pretty much Always. everywhere we went, there were olives. Always. Um, and I ate a lot of them. Um, I believe some cheese. You know, I I actually don't remember because I was too busy drinking beer and playing with the dogs and cats. Um, <laughs> one cat decided, we wanted to, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to was, sit in my lap. I was like, all right, hey, we'll hang out. Um, yeah, send Bob this is to get we, more beer. But um, I think is, there was a meat there was a meat item as well. There was course, a local yeah. cheese. Um, it was all just very small tapas dishes. It was nothing elaborate, but delicious. Yeah, and as Joel said, it was this medieval looking kitchen well it probably is i believe that part of the house i believe is from the 1800s um but the foundations are much much older and you know there's a giant hearth which you could imagine like a huge haunch of meat being cooked um you know just just so picturesque and just it's something impossible to replicate in the u.s and even in many parts of europe um just a, a fascinating place we wanted to spend all day there but unfortunately had to move on to a few other places Hey, Chris, um, on your tours, were there any beers you discovered that you'd, you'd never had in the States? Um, yeah, the, there was a few in France that we went to that definitely some beers I'd never had. Um, there's some I knew of, but I'm trying to think of specifics of what I didn't have before. I think some of the uh, Brasserie Threes, some of theirs, was definitely new to me. The Blondeau, which was delicious. And then, actually, in Franconia, there was actually a lot. Franconia, then we go to a, uh, a lot of breweries. Uh, Joel can confirm this, but I believe there was a lot that do not come to the States that we visited. Yeah, when when Jimmy, when you asked that question, I was thinking it's it's a little trickier to think of ones in Belgium and France that we haven't had. Yeah, we imported, it's more we imported most. But when we go yeah. to Franconia, then we go to a lot of little places that uh, the beer you would never see 10 miles away from there. And you may never see again. <laughs> yeah, so those were very unique, for sure. A lot of delicious land beers. And uh, Joel, those were beers that, that you guys used to send over in those, um, the, the... The gravity kegs. The, whatever, oh, the, 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 uh, the gravity kegs, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they are, or they're called Anstischkegs in German, in Franconia. Yeah, in in a lot of these places, it's the only place you can really get the beer, uh, and they usually pour them into these little uh, twenty liter things and just tap them and pour them, then tap the next one and pour it. And we can see them doing it and all that. It's fun, but we, uh, like other importers, we bring those things over. Uh, we used to bring them over during Oktoberfest time, uh, which was a big job, and and in the end didn't ever pay pay for it all for itself but was really fun. And so we did bring a few beers over that I think never were here otherwise. Uh, and I would say at this point that it's great to sort of try stuff when it comes over here, but it, there's something special about being in the actual color that it comes from. And actually in, on some occasions having it being poured from a cave that is actually fermented in. Uh, so yeah, it's stuff that you'll never see again. And I, and you can be forgiven for not remembering even the names of them all because sometimes you just go there and have 40, 40 drafts of this one beer. You never remember what it was. Remember, it was the greatest beer you ever had until the next day. <laughs> and the next day is another greatest beer, right? Yeah, basically. That's Joel, the idea. Joel, when's Franconia this year? Uh, starts uh, July 26th, uh, finishes on the evening of August 2nd, which ends in, ends in Frankfurt, which is the... Hesse instead of Franconia, but it's clear closer to the airport. But it's the longest tour. It goes in the summer, which is more conducive, uh, the middle of the summer, more conducive to spending more time, I think, and more outdoor stuff. Uh, it's a lot of outdoor stuff, actually. And um, so, and we go to two major festivals during that tour. So it kind of requires more days. So we start on a Wednesday night and we basically finish on a Wednesday night. I'm going to make a request, even though it's it's still, it's December, but for a lot of people, they're, they're, their travel for next year might be booked. Not everybody. Um, I hope not. I'm going to hope that you, you can put out the dates well in advance uh, because it's the kind of thing that I, I always want to go to one of these. And uh, sometimes by the time I, I hear about it, I'm already booked up. I mean, oh, these tours, have, these dates have been out for a while. So where no can, excuses, Jimmy. Well, how, no how, excuses. how can I find out? I, I know on Instagram it's ICB tours. Yes, uh, and the website is, is uh, innercircletours.com. Innercircletours.com, yeah. So yeah. i got to put that on my list and make sure I keep up with it. Cause, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, as everyone will tell you, I'm not the world's expert on marketing and promotion. <laughs> uh, maybe the worst, but I'm working on it, and here we are talking about it. But um, I, I'm pretty confident that if people do uh, do latch on to what we're doing, then they'll love it and uh, – hopefully pass it along to their friends because I think it's pretty great. I just have to match my promotional skills to it still. So, Kevin, what happens if uh, the Scotland tour becomes the most popular ever? <laughs> then next year I completely switch it up, and instead of going to Speyside, we'll go to Isla. And so you know, maybe we'll visit a, same, a few of the same breweries because some of them are along the way. But it'll be a whole different animal going to, uh, you know, a different Island and well, basically drinking everything that's peaty. And, and then the year after, if it's as popular, then maybe you go to the Highland, the, the really far North islands and like Orkney. And if it's continues to be possible, popular, switch it up again. Uh, just keep introducing people. 20 years. I'll go to Scotland and I'll start meeting all these Americans and I'll say, Oh yeah, we came here on a, on the inner circle beer tour, and we decided to move over here. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> that was going to I already Joel. have a, an American friend who uh, lives over there now. Hey, yeah. Hey. And back to Chris. Chris, beer. Um, yeah. You and the the Chico the stores. Yeah. Um, what 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 are some of your top sellers? I always like to to ask you that because I know you have the numbers. And then, yeah, I do. And then <laughs> and then tell me where do you get any? Which of the the formerly the Sheldon Brothers beers, do you get, and who are you getting them from in New York? I mean, a lot of the breweries went over to Lime Ventures, uh, based out of California. So I think they took over a decent amount. Um, Azure BR actually took over a few. She's handling a few Canadian brands right now. But um, a lot of it's Lime Ventures out of California. Uh, took over the bulk of them, I believe. Um, Distribution-wise, still the same, I believe, in all states, but they're just handling the importing. And then uh, as far as top sellers, I mean, just in general or imports? You, know, you can <laughs> do both. <laughs> um, for us, our top seller is still Industrial Arts Wrench. That's our number one seller chain-wide. Uh, they are still the leader here. Um, but imports, I think, are 
thankfully, I see them rebounding. They're coming back. Um, they kind of lagged for a few years. So I'm happy to see they are coming back stronger, which is great. Um, but as far as specific brands, I mean, lagers are on fire, uh, domestic and imports, which is great to see. A lot of the German lagers, for sure. Um, this time of year, St. Bernard's Christmas is our top selling import for the holidays. So, yeah. That's good. Last thing, St. Bernard Christmas, Bernard's yeah. Christmas versus their quad. We can, this is a specific conversation. Christmas beers versus just a, a good quad or Belgian triple. Why a Christmas beer? I think it's great for the time of year. I mean, yes, it's kind of similar in a way, but just having that little extra spices and roastiness just gives it that extra kick in the winter. Um, I definitely enjoy it. So you're going to send me off with the St. Bernardus, and Kevin's got me thinking of whiskey and uh, roasts, not ha not haggis. Right? I was talking about haggis this week. <laughs> haggis somebody. is brilliant. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ha. It, but what's, what's the proper filling? I've, I've had bad haggis at pubs where it's like oatmeal with dried cranberries. Um, what's what's a good a good filling for haggis? I'm sure there's dozens of them, but I mean, you know, like oats is part of it. You know, the thing that turns most people off, quite frankly, I mean, essentially it's a sausage, but it's kind of in a sheep's bladder or something like that. And uh, that turns a lot of people off, but it's... It's really tasty. I'm not, you know, the vegetarians on this call are not, uh, are not sold here. Looking at you, Joel. Br. If they can make a nice uh, veggie sheep's bladder, I'm on board. No problem. Yeah. Uh, there there are are in haggis. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. had a veggie haggis once. Yep. Oh yeah, you're still chewing on it too, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's still in my teeth. Oh yeah. Br. Last back to that. Just uh, Christmas beers versus like Belgian quad or triple. I mean, you know, it honestly, it depends on the beer because there are some Christmas beers that are just like over the top in terms of their spices. And it's just, you know, you're drinking a, a glass of potpourri or something. Um, if they're nicely balanced, I think that those are wonderful for the season and it's nice to have a seasonal beer. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm just happy with like a, a nice strong quad or, you know, a British barley wine in on a very cold day. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it for me. I don't have to have the, the christmas beers although i mean one having one every now and then is is certainly i, I definitely do it at least a couple times during the season yeah and are, are there anything you recommend for christmas um that 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 you're working with now um i did not have any christmas beers this year um it was it's just you know things are still a little bit uh you know in terms of imports um Things are not quite the same as, as they were pre-COVID. So um, I didn't work on bringing any Christmas beers just because of it wasn't, you need to order those early enough so that the brewery can prepare them, that they can ship so they can get to the shelves. Um, as, as Chris knows, you know, December 26th, all the Christmas beers magically go bad. <laughs> no one's going <laughs> to buy them. So you want to make sure you get them to the stores in time. Um, so this year just didn't, didn't do any. But I do. I am a fan of the Thierrier, uh from France, Thierrier's Bière de Noël. Um, it's just a very lightly, lightly spiced, um, stronger dark ale, um, which is just it's very lovely and food friendly. So that's probably one of my in terms of the, some of the breweries I worked with. One of my my favorite winter beers. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, Kevin, something yes, for winter out, out of uh, not whiskey out of Scotland. <laughs> Sadly, uh, it's not available in the United States at the moment, but with a little luck, it'll be very soon. Uh, I would go with a Mills and Hills, which is out of fine ales again, and it was a collaboration with Demolin from the Netherlands, and it was just a fantastic uh, Imperial Stout. But it's a lot of the Imperial Stouts that come out of the UK are a little bit lower in alcohol than what we go with, so you can have a few without being a little banged up. And then they also do an age, they age a version of that in uh, in whiskey barrels, too, sometimes. All right. Joel, let's close out the show. It's your chance to yeah. say something else. Oh, well, let me say I love Christmas. But, um, you know, when you're asking about Christmas beers, I know a lot of breweries just sort of do some strong beer that might be a different beer the other time of year. So I think it's a bit 
it's it's not a real category in some ways unless you're strictly saying spice beers. And my impression is that most people don't seem to love spice beers for some reason. I think it's pretty fascinating myself uh, if you put it in historical context that the idea was you're celebrating uh, abundance or or whatever and you're doing something a little bit special. And I feel like that's lost these days because now we can do something special all the time, which makes everything not so special. So I do appreciate the season and that just these cool things come out with all these colorful labels. And I like to try all kinds of stuff. Um, our tours never go out on Christmas, but we may be doing something uh, with that uh, in the coming year. So keep your eyes peeled. But um, I'm just enjoying uh, drinking a lot of Anchor Christmas right now, to be honest, which I, I really like the one that's out now. And I may not be... Uh, in agreement with everybody, but I've really been enjoying it. And I'm still kind of old school. I like kind of more straightforward things. And I like Sierra Nevada celebration. Yeah. And I'm drinking that one as well. Yeah. yeah. That oh, yeah. One is great too. Lots of that. I have actually what I have, I'm, I have for my, this week and I'm not opening it tonight, uh, tributary brewing out of Kittery, Maine. Got to know them. Uh, Todd Mott. He's been behind some other, uh, strong winter releases. I've got from last year, I have his uh, Mott the Lesser. That's an amazing beer. Type of Imperial Stout, yeah. So um highly recommend. I, I'm like an Imperial Stouts and Belgian Quads for for the holidays. And uh, you guys, this is great. It's only it's only touching the surface. Um, all of you, we got, we got to talk more. And, and Joel and BR in particular, miss seeing you guys in person. And uh, these tours are definitely going to be a way to, to, to go explore. The places that you guys know so well, and uh, well, we hope it, we hope we see you again here or there. That's for sure, because we miss uh, Jimmy's Forty Three really badly. I, I have to say, it was what it was my favorite hangout uh, back in the day. So uh, we have fond memories. You guys Definitely. made it. You were a big part of it, be, being special with with your beers and your personality. So uh, love you guys. So let's go through the list. We got Joel, Br, Kevin, and Chris. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on. Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to Armin Spengen, our engineer. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Happy holidays, you guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.